This is the sound of Don Pablo. Soothing Michelle's ears. Hmm? Chilling. I can't read when you are on my chest like this, but it's fine. This is very good for me. Bello. Shall we make that pod data hmm? about islands? Okay, a bit later. Hmm? Hey. Haiku by Oliver Frigir, a Maltese author who left us a few months ago. Strichfil Pachi, rest in peace. Kulgzira Daisa, in Niestafua, a Baharu, Bla Atmayaslu. Every island is a boat. The people on board sail on, never to arrive. La Maktaba di Don Pablo. I don't have a jingle for this podcast series yet. I would like to invent one. I wouldn't dare use the word compose <laughs> because I didn't touch a piano for 30 years and now I'm slowly, slowly, ego, ego, learning again. But um, so based on some of the letters in the name La Maktaba di Don Pablo, I just want to play with some chords. Um, now, in the first episode at the beginning <laughs> I very probably broke the rules of harmony because I wasn't in any particular key there was a natural a flat and a sharp in the same sequence of notes I don't think that's possible right um so now I'm just going to stay in the chord family of C keep it simple no sharps or flats okay so la uh, as in a la Mac, which has an accent on it, so A7. So, La. Mac. Ta. Ba. I like the sound of that, Ba. D. Don. Pa has an A in it, but I'm going to go up the piano. No, it should be A7 because it has an accent. Blah.
anyway, from episode to episode, this jingle will become more, <laughs> it will gel, I hope, and become more playful. We'll see. So, Kalimela, Mela being a Maltese word that can mean many things. In Maltese, everything begins, ends, or continues in the word Mela. Therefore, Kalimela, with an L as opposed to an R, isn't, I mean, in, in, in my language, call it Miguelenio, Michelois, Michailica, whatever. Kalimela can mean good beginning, welcome, if you're listening for the first time. It could mean good ending. I hope you make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> I will try to keep it relaxed because I have a tendency to get excited when I read aloud, especially poetry, right? And it can also mean, as they say in French, bonne continuation. If you're listening for the second time, uh, welcome again, right? So, Calimela. Um, I will be reading <coughs> mostly in French today. Um, I won't translate everything, just uh, some of the more, more important parts. Um, over the past few weeks, um, Amo and Ano have been keeping me company. <coughs> Ano with an N, that's, um, what's his name? What's his first name? Charles-Louis Ano, who wrote 60 finger exercises in a book called The Virtuoso Pianist. I am following those exercises. They're very good um, for acquiring stamina in the fingers, but then musically, uh, they're not very exciting. Franz Liszt uh, once said, recommended, he once recommended, because they are so tedious, these exercises, and yet so useful, um, he recommended reading a book while doing Anon's uh, <laughs> playing his... You can't even call them études or songs, his exercises, right? Now, I have tried to read Hervé Amon while playing Anon. I can't. It's <laughs> way too early, way too early to do that. But mm. I can listen to a Greek lesson uh, video while playing um, Anon. But anyway, so what about Hervé Amon? Well, this is a book, wonderful book, called Le Dictionnaire Amoureux des Îles published by Plan. It's one of uh, a broad series of Dictionnaires Amoureux. Um, there's whole, the whole catalogue at the back. Mario Vargas Llosa wrote Le Dictionnaire Amoureux de l'Amérique Latine. Frédéric Vitu is the author of the Dictionnaire Amoureux des Chats. Nietzsche. He is uh, washing himself on the bed. I can hardly see him because the Blanket is black and he is jet black, so, but I see his red tongue and his eyes. Um, Dictionnaire amoureux de la musique de André Touboeuf, and there are many more. Dictionnaire amoureux de la Palestine, Elias Samba. Yes. Um, so when I open the physical Maktaba, I don't know when that will be, um, I will order some of these Dictionnaire amoureux. So, Hervé Amon. He is a sociologist and historian. He has written a lot about the sea in particular. He is Breton. Um, he has written novels and short stories and essays. And um, so it's a dictionary. You can read it in any order you like. 
right? I haven't read it in um, any particular order at all. Um, I just went with my whim. Oh, sorry, the piano is still on. I'm not going to play Anon while <laughs> reading or talking about this book. Okay, but I will read Amon. Um, now, so there are dozens and dozens of items in this book. Funnily enough, so Malta is in it, and I will talk about Malta towards the end. Itaka, the island of islands, isn't. But he mentions the Odyssey and Homer a lot. I mean, already at the back of the book, in the description, the last paragraph says, Ce dictionnaire, Marie, l'Odyssée, est le plus contemporain de notre actualité, Thomas More, Utopia. Et les archipels menacés par le réchauffement climatique, islands that are uh, in danger of disappearing. On vagabonde, on rêve, on frissonne, on se souvient. Les îles pourraient bien être chemin de vérité. Islands could well be paths to the truth. Mana, <coughs> I could talk about islands for hours and hours and hours because uh, before what happened to me in the past year with my ears and my own change from the continent to, I was in Northern Europe before, to uh, an island. Um, I was writing a book of poems about islands and island shapes and how islands are used and abused by bigger islands or by the continent and so on. Uh, but let's focus on what Hervé Amont has to say about certain islands. I have chosen um, four, but I'll read from the introduction first. It's written in very elegant French. I mean, the, the title of this prologue, is, it sounds quite legalistic. It's a observation préalable. Okay. Anyway, a very important thing that Amon says in the first paragraph. L'île, c'est d'abord le voyage vers l'île. So, the island is, first of all, the journey to the island. I mean, ah, one cannot imagine Ithaca without... Um, the journey towards Ithaca. Think of Kavafi's poem or the Odyssey itself. Twenty years to get home, right? Um, and this paragraph is very interesting. En voyager. I like how he begins with the verb there in the present perfect. Passé composé. En voyager. A destination d'île spécialement dédiée, spécialement fortifiée, des Tolois entravé, des déportés à la pelle, des enfants récalcitrants, des voleurs de poules, <laughs> chicken thieves, et des assassins patentés, des dissidents par millions, des communards, des juifs ou des huguenots, des malpensants, malpensants, that's ironic of course, des fous, des résistants, des lépreux, des assignés à résidence, Des empereurs déchus, Napoléon, de simples importants qu'il importait d'éloigner, et bien sûr ce que toutes les dictatures jugèrent bon de bannir plutôt que de fusiller ou de balancer d'un hélicoptère. I think he is referring to Pinochet's uh, method of um, 
dropping uh, dissident bodies into the sea. But first, this is quite dark. These bodies would be tied to railway lines and so that they would sink all the way to the bottom. Anyway, ce qui finit malgré tout par se remarquer en ces temps médiatiques. Um, we will go to Chile in a minute. Um, in another paragraph, he talks about islands in literature. La littérature en regorge, comme elle regorge d'îles de fiction. Depuis Homer, le revoilà, mais les repères de Circe ou de Calypso, le palais assiégé de Pénélope, Caribde et Sidla, c'est du réel et de la fiction meulée, c'est un miroir obscur. Ok, jusqu'au mille, mille et une nuit. Calypso, now, <laughs> it's funny how uh, islands who wish to sell themselves as products, right, uh, use literature and history <laughs> to attract tourists of a certain level or whatever in, in search of culture. Um, <laughs> there are at least three islands that I know of in the Mediterranean that claim to be Calypso's islands. So one of them is Gavdos, south of Crete. One of them is Ibiza. And the other one is Gozo, the second island of the Maltese archipelago. Now, if... Um, so imagine Odysseus floating, holding on to a fig leaf for, I believe, nine days and nine nights, leaving from, uh, he, he was about to arrive in Ithaca, and then all of the winds were released from uh, the bag due to the greed and hubris of his uh, companions. Yeah. So from Ithaca, where could you float to in nine days in a storm? Well, probably the wind was blowing from the north, most likely northeast, because that's where the cold winds come from here. It's, I, I doubt very much he would have made it to Gavdos, because he would have hit Crete first. Ibiza, that's all the way across uh, <laughs> the Tyrrhenian Sea. He would have had to go around Italy and Sicily. Um and skip uh, Sardinia without touching land. I think it's logical that Ogigia is Gozo, um, which would mean that for seven years, I believe it was, Odysseus was eating Jbeina, Maltese cheese. Uh, I don't know. I'm not being patriotic, but I think, obviously, this is... We don't know if it's fiction or reality, but... Anyway, um, this is a very interesting paragraph. Cela va de pair avec ce qu'on disait le pénétrant Gilles Deleuze, évoquant le thème de l'île déserte dans un texte publié par les éditions de minuit en 2004. This is Gilles Deleuze. Okay, he's talking about the island as a fresh start, the possibility to do an il faut Mathia Pascal. <laughs> L'élan de l'homme qui l'entraîne vers les îles reprend le double mouvement qui produit les îles en elles-mêmes. Rêver des îles avec angoisse ou joie, peu importe, c'est rêver qu'on se sépare, qu'on s'est déjà séparé, loin des continents, qu'on est seul et perdu, ou bien c'est rêver qu'on repart à zéro, qu'on recrée. 
qu'on recommence. Il y avait des îles dérivées, mais l'île, c'est aussi ce vers quoi l'on dérive, towards where one drifts. Et il y avait des îles originaires, mais l'île, c'est aussi l'origine, l'origine radicale et absolue. I think that one of the reasons we are psychologically, intellectually uh, attracted to islands in general is because islands give us the illusion that they are self-contained and therefore perhaps more easily comprehensible because we uh, see them as finite. What are islands if not many continents? I think, I mean, islands are changing all the time. The shape of an island changes all the time with the waves and with the tides and many earthquakes. So an island is never the same from one day to the next, right? You can never comprehend an island fully. However, you know, unless it's a rock with one tree on it. And even then, you know, um, you can take a microscope and, and just keep zooming in and zooming in. And then when, once you zoom out again, you see a completely different island, right? So, um, but it's an illusion that um, continues to attract us to islands, I think. And at the end of the, let's call it prologue, Hervé Amon says, Bref, réel ou irréel, there are articles in this uh, book dedicated to invented islands, such as Utopia. Littéraire ou littéral, les îles sont plus que jamais d'extraordinaires révélateurs, des buts témoins. So islands are mounds that bear witness, right? Islands, uh, the continent can learn a lot from islands also. It's not the islands depending only on the continent, right? And then, <coughs> this is perhaps false modesty, or not. <coughs> Notre voyage sera éminemment imparfait, inachevé, lacunaire, allusif, partial. En d'autres termes, ce sera, j'espère, un vrai voyage. So, um, there are hundreds and of thousands of islands in the world, right? And uh, some appear after a volcanic eruption, some disappear. Um, so obviously he had to limit the number of islands that he put in the book, right? So let's go to Chile first. La Isla de Chiloé, like Chile, but with an O in it. Uh, I was there in 2009 with the backpack. It, it's quite a large island, very green, very rainy. It, in fact, it was called Nueva Galicia um, at first. I don't know what it's, I don't remember its indigenous name. It might even have something to do with Chiloé, but um, acoustically speaking. Um, it's at the very beginning of Chilean Patagonia. Uh, it's a very beautiful island, very few people, a lot of fauna coming up from the Antarctic, penguins, walruses, sea lions, cormorants, beautiful, beautiful place. So here is a little description by uh, Amon of Isla de Chiloé. La route centrale, la route numéro 5, 
par laquelle tout transite, homme et bien, sur 80 km et artères et frontières. À l'ouest, par-delà les bois et les champs, <coughs> l'infinie côte du Pacifique, ses interminables plages désertes, ses pingouins, ses falaises abruptes et sombres, et le fracas incessant de rouleaux puissants <coughs> qui interdisent d'y tromper le pied. À l'est, les ports, les îles, un dédale balayé par des courants qu'il faut connaître, mais souriant et pentu. Et derrière, au loin sur le continent, les volcans alignés dans la neige résistent à l'été. Deux mondes. So, it's a single island split into two, right, by a road which is at the same time um, an artery and a border. And then he talks about the Weeches, uh, the indigenous people of the island, who um, would construct their buildings um, on the coastline or in the sea on stilts. And that's a tradition that still exists today in uh, Isla de Chiloé. Um, okay, now let's come back to Greece. And let's go first of all to the largest island of Greece, Crete. Okay. This is one of the more literary articles in the book. I will read only the first paragraph. Um, yeah, one of my favorite articles in the book, definitely this one. I mean, Crete, uh, I don't think you can really talk about Greek literature, modern Greek literature, without talking about Crete. I mean, Kazantzakis um, was from Crete. Mikis Theodorakis, the composer, uh, is from Crete, and we will hear him his music in a, in a short while. Um, C'est inévitable. Avant d'aborder une terre pareille, il faut entendre Homer. Here we go again. Right. So, Odyssée, chant 3. Uh, Rhapsodia Gamma, I believe, of the Odyssey, in French, a little bit of it. Dans la brume des mers, aux confins de Gortine, il est un rocher nu qui tombe sur le flot. Le Notos, which is a stormy wind, contre lui jette des grandes houles qui le prennent en flanc du côté de Faestos, et ce caillou tient tête à cette vague énorme. So that was Homer in French. Mais il faut également comprendre que cet assaut des éléments est nourri de mystères, de mythes, de chimères, de divinités. Fermez les yeux. Laissez-vous envahir, c'est l'Olympe qui parle. One island I really would have loved to visit, if only I could travel again, is in the Aegean. It's called Icaria, and it is known as uh, an island of anarchists. I mean, they call it the Exarchia of uh, the Aegean or of the Greek islands. Exarchia is the anarchist uh, quarter of Athens full of squats. <coughs> Ikaria is also well known for having a very long life expectancy, perhaps thanks to the diuretic uh, qualities of the local olive oil. So there is an article here dedicated to Ikaria and Tinos, two islands at once, but he doesn't talk much about the islands themselves, he talks more about the winds. So, 
c'est la faute du vent, d'un vent précis et violent qu'on appelle meltem. So this is from the, this is a Turkish word, meltemi, quand il souffle en été. But it exists in uh, Greek also, meltemi. It is the strong, dry winds of the Aegean between June and September. Right? A very dangerous wind. Okay. Les vents, en langue grecque ancienne ou moderne, sont innombrables. So there are countless winds and names of winds. Les anciens disaient Kaikias, Skiron, Zephyros, Lips, Euros or Evros, Apiotis. Les modernes disent Gregos. Ah, I will say something about that in a minute. Uh, maestros, ponentes, garbis, probably from Harbi, so that's the wind that brings sand from the Sahara, I guess. Austria, levantes. Mais le meltem, mes amis, le meltem, je ne vous dis que ça, 25 nœuds établis au bas mot, un bon riz, un bon bateau, et ça tient. Le problème du meltem, c'est quand il s'engouffre entre deux îles qui le font grossir, s'affoler par effet d'entonnoir. Right. Let me go back to Gregos. So, in Malta, so islands can be very windy, of course, because there is so much open sea around them. Uh, the worst storms in winter in Malta come from the northeast, and they are called Grigalati. So, <laughs> Greece is blamed for <laughs> these storms, yeah. They can be very dangerous. Um, cars parked by the coast in uh, in Valletta have been swallowed by the Grigalati. So. And yet, in modern Greek, probably from the Italian Grecale, the northeastern wind is called Gregos. Very interesting. So, Amon was saying that this Meltemi becomes very dangerous when it passes through two between two particular islands, which are Ikaria and Tinos. Okay. Tinos is above Mykonos, south of Andros, and Ikaria is closer to Turkey, right? And uh, then he says, Conta Ikaria, elle doit son appellation au fait que le fils de Dédal se serait abîmé dans, dans ses eaux. So I have seen a photograph of where, the spot where they say Icarus fell, right? I would have loved to go there. Um, and then he says, N'y allez pas pour visiter des monuments, ils ne sont trouvés guère, allez-y pour en saisir le souffle. So don't go to Icaria, in particular, uh, for the monuments, but to breathe in the wind. And then, Et, y lire ou relire le poème d'Elitis, auteur de Action Esti. Odysseus Elitis, who was from Lesbos, north of Icaria, um, he wrote uh, a long poem made up of poems called Axion Esti, and um, Amon uh, cites eight lines from it. I'll read it in French and then a little bit in English. And then we'll listen to an adaptation by Theodorakis from 1964. So this translation into French is by one La Carrière. Uh, and the particular poem is called The Gloria, right? Les vents 
signaux qui officient soulève l'océan comme mer de Dieu. Ah, what a line, what a line. Soulève l'océan comme mer de Dieu. Souffle, embrase les orangers, siffle sur les monts et surviennent novices imberbes des tempêtes, routes et s'aimant leurs loques dans les cieux, Hermès aux pétales ailés et le caducé de l'orage. I will read the same extract in English, translated by Jeffrey Carson and Nikos Sarris. The leading winds who officiate, who raise the sea like the mother of God, who blow, and the oranges light up, who whistle to the mountains and they come, beardless novices of the storm, runners who covered the miles of sky, hermeses with their pointed sun hats and with the caduceus of black smoke. The caduceus, that's Hermes' uh, staff with the intertwined snakes and the two wings. And that those eight lines are followed by um, three lines in um, on the side of the page. Names of winds. Maestros, Levantes, Garbis, Punentes, Gregos, Sirocco, Tramontana, Austria. Tramontana is a word used here on Ithaki, I've heard it. Mala, Mikis Theodorakis, Gloria, To Action Esti. To Action Esti means uh, praise be to it. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
Listen now to the names of the winds. Every time I hear Theodorakis, uh, I have an urge to listen to his uh, adaptation of Neruda's Canto General. Uh, one day, one day I will do a podcast on the Canto General and I will include uh, part of um, Theodorakis' music with Faranduri's voice. Okay, we have about 10 minutes left and it's Let's go to my Ithaki, Malta, and see what Amon has to say. Uh, not very nice, to be honest. He's quite brutal. This book came out in 2020. Um, three years, is it? Yes. After the assassination of the journalist. Daphne Caruana Galizia, the investigative journalist. Okay, first of all, right, uh, this article begins with a bit of 1970s nostalgia, talking about when Dom Mintoff, the prime minister of the time, was um, best buddies with Gaddafi. At the time, we had green passports. To be honest, they were at least the cover. I mean, my first passport was my father's one. The cover was green. And it had a picture of the old emblem of Malta, which was um, of La Repubblica da Malta, which was a lutsu, a small boat, uh, an oar, uh, a cactus tree, and um, I don't remember, and the sun, of course, of course. I mean, <laughs> very romantic, a very touristic kind of emblem, but it still better than the coat of arms we have now, in my opinion. Anyway, passports. If I talk about passports, we'll be here all night. Know, however, if you don't already, that you can buy a Maltese passport for 650,000 euros, right? And have access to the whole Schengen area and ease of uh, uh, access also to the USA and basically to the whole world. 650,000 euros plus investment in property, but still comes to about 1 million anyway. Yeah. Now, after descriptions of what there is to see in Malta, such as the Neolithic temple, temples, Gigantilla, I would add Hajar Im and the Naidra outside my village. He talks about Le Bato, the Marsashok, the Lutsu that I mentioned, right? Very colorful with the Phoenician eye on them. He talks about the cathedral, Saint-Jean, uh, painting by Caravaggio, <clears throat> and so on. Imdina, the old city. The word comes from Medina, right? It was uh, the Arab city of, of Malta. Um, he talks a bit about the language, um, an 
hybride de racines latines venues de Sicile et de métissage arabe. Yes, but one should also say, and I don't know why linguists don't really talk about this, the way that Maltese verbs are conjugated, isn't, it's not from classical Arabic, it's the Berber way, the Amazigh way, right? There is a lot of uh, Amazigh in, in Maltese, Maghrebin more than Arabic, and yet it's not mentioned for some reason. Um, now, now we come to il buzillis, which is the Maltese word for el meollo de la cuestión. Well, that's Spanish for uh, le noyau, the nutshell. Right. Mais, c'est-il, eh bien, autre chose qu'un camailleux d'histoire et de promenade culturelle. Y revenons et y revenons encore. J'ai compris peu à peu qu'une constante là-bas traverse les siècles, le secret, le clair-obscur, l'entre-deux, le non-dit. Full stop. New sentence, only three words. Voir le mafieux. Do I need to translate that? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And then uh, in the next paragraph. Okay, depuis l'indépendance, l'île s'est cherchée. The island has been looking for herself since independence. Yes. So, I wrote an essay once. It was about literature, but the beginning was more about psychology. Malta is shaped like a fish, but it's also shaped like a whale. Depends how you look at it. And this reminds me of the story of Jonah, who was swallowed by a whale, and it took him three days and three nights to find the courage to find, himself, to find his way out of the whale's stomach. Uh, Jonah was given the mission to um, impart a prophecy in Nineveh, and he was too frightened to become who he was supposed to be. This is called the Jonah Complex. Abraham Maslow, uh, who also talks about the Pyramid of Needs, um, has written extensively on the Jonah Complex, and I think that Malta, shaped like a whale, uh, is stuck in the whale's belly and has been for many years. Because Malta, it, it's a Mediterranean island, but it pretends not to be Mediterranean sometimes. It seems to be, it wishes to be more British uh, than, than she is. It wants to be more European than African, and yet we say Allah, even though Maltese people are Catholic. Yeah, so Malta has been suffering from a Jonah complex lost in a sea, in a psychological ocean <laughs> for a long time. Okay, this is what Amon says. Depuis l'indépendance, l'île s'est cherchée. Elle se savait de par sa petite taille. Et le faible nombre de ses habitants, 430,000, it's not really a faible nombre because uh, Malta is twice the size of Isaki. Isaki has 3,000 people, right? Malta has half a million. <laughs> Very densely populated. Not as bad as Hong Kong or Singapore, but still. Yeah. Anyway, then he says, Malta, petite taille, blah, blah, blah. Condamné aux activités, entre guillemets, de niche. Condemned to uh, niche activities. This niche <laughs> is a euphemism which he then explains. Okay. So, after explaining that Malta 
has tried and is still trying the route of mass tourism, okay, uh, which puts huge pressure on the water table. Water is going to be a huge problem in the future in Malta. Okay. Then he says, Les Maltais sont gens de ressources. Yeah, we're very resourceful. Okay. Ils ont trouvé, comme d'autres pays insulaires, mais avec un culot et une discrétion exemplaire, Ils ont investi le créneau des interstices du système, le créneau de la dérogation légale. So, faire un créneau is when uh, you park precisely between between two cars, when you, you know. Um, so it's to fill in a blank, right? But so, he also talks about les interstices du système, okay? Yeah, Malta exists as a tax haven. It exploits loopholes, and that's why it sells passports. Hey, my! And um, a little bit later, after he talks about uh, how uh, multinational companies save money by taking a Maltese address. Um, internet betting is also very big in Malta. I mean, Dutch, Scandinavian, Belgian companies have set up in Malta. Why? Because they only pay 3% tax. <laughs> and the following year, 85% um, of what they have paid is given back. So <laughs> it turns out, I don't know, less than 1%, right? Anyway, that doesn't mean that Maltese people don't pay much tax. No, of course so it's different for the locals. Anyway, so, lors, this bit hurts. De l'enquête, uh, no, not this one. Next one. L'île élégante, saturée d'histoire, où les couples d'amoureux se promènent en calèche le long des quais de Slirma, serait-elle devenue toxique Après l'assassinat de la journaliste enquêtrice Daphne Caruana Galizia, dont la voiture a explosé le 16 octobre 2017, I remember that day very, very well, et dont les assassins ne semblent guère recherchés par le gouvernement travailliste de Joseph Muscat, élu et réélu sans problème alors que deux de ses proches ont été dénoncés par les Paradise Papers. Okay. Le successeur du premier ministre sortant a proclamé qu'il s'inscrivait dans le droit fil de la politique dominante. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, bidi, bidi, bulu, bulu. I mean, what the new prime minister, Roberto Bella, says, he's a parrot. Nombre de Maltais ont perdu toute illusion. Because there's no hope. Will there be Justice? Yeah, maybe, but will there be a better, cleaner government? <sighs> que leur île est rêvée de devenir une sorte de Dubaï méditerranéen? Pourquoi pas? Mais que les scandales mafieux aillent jusqu'au sang? Okay, there is blood involved now. Et ce, en quasi-impunité, C'est une autre affaire. Jacob Borge, 
reporter au Times of Malta, confesse que son pouvoir d'investigation est limité par des intimidations récurrentes et que seuls ses confrères étrangers sont peut-être à même de tenter une radiographie du pays qui ne soit ni censurée ni complaisante. So, Jacob Borge, journalist, has said that um, due to recurrent intimidations from above, investigative journalists in Malta cannot investigate the assassination of an investigative journalist. Okay. And have to rely on uh, the lenses and the relatively greater freedom of foreign journalists to report on that. Anyway. I will not go into my because it's it does it's not important anymore. Daphne Caruana Galizia, she was a journalist, yes. She was a blogger and very elitist and um I didn't follow what she wrote. I didn't like what she wrote at all about the multi gangs and so on, but all of that means nothing. A journalist was killed. That's the way it is. OK. Mais, bien sûr, chacun est libre de se contenter des temples mégalithiques, du marbre des chevaliers, de l'austère Umdina. C'est l'invisible qui tue. What is invisible is what kills. En silence ou presque. In silence or almost. When I think of uh, Malta from afar, like now, I often remember the ending of a poem in Maltese by Karl Schembri, one of my favorite poets of Malta from my generation. And uh, I translated it into Spanish a few years ago, but I will read it. It's just five, the last five, six lines in Maltese and then in English, and I will leave you with that. Mela, 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 mela. Donde está? BuenosAiresPoetry.com. Here it is. So the, the poem is called uh, Dean Iagzirti. This is my island. And it ends like this. In Hobba il Dean Gzirti, Milbod Talastronauta, Li Atmayaf, Ushche Luda Dar, Chai. I love this island of mine. From the distance of an astronaut who never knows if he will come home alive. Karl Schembri, who, like me, is not, I won't call it exile unless it's self-exile, but um, Karl Schembri lived in Gaza for four years working as a journalist, and now he's in Jordan, and uh, it's not easy for him to go home. Um, this is something that we share in common. Um, anyway, Telos Padon in Somma, Mela Mela Mela, thank you for listening. Efharisto Parapoli, Grazi, and uh, in a week's time, I will record another podcast. I think the next one I will read in Italian because I haven't done much Italian yet. Um, but I will decide, I might change my mind. Um, Kalimela, Sacha, um, ciao ciao.
and until next time. La Maktaba, Ivan Pablo, V. Saluta. Ciao.